This is the XC's Top 5 Podcast. My name is Michael Doyle, and I am joined, as always, by Alex Sear. Alex, welcome back, and uh, how's the running going? I, rumor has it that you've started doing workouts again. Uh, let's not talk too loud, but yes, I have a workout scheduled this afternoon. Uh, I think it's going to be like five times six minute tempo run. I'm going to do it on the treadmill because it's pretty, uh, it's pretty windy right now. Ah, you're going to be the gym hero. Nice. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Crookshank. Andrew, uh, you've come in from, as I look outside, there's like a, like a snowstorm going on out here. How, uh, how is, uh, how's everything going with you these days? It is a blustery day out there. Uh, good, good. Yeah. Uh, surviving. You know, I thought we were, we were into spring there for a little while and then <laughs> winter has come back with a vengeance. So. Not a chance. Not <laughs> a chance. Yeah. We're here in Toronto. So, uh, the winter will end at some point in July. Um, so we've got five interesting topics this week. Uh, we haven't done this in a little while, so it's, it's, we went on a little mini hiatus again. I apologize for that. It's been, it's been a busy period. There's been mm. a lot going on in, uh, in the running community, particularly here in Canada, uh, that we've, uh, been involved in. So first things first, we're going to talk about the Olympic trials, the Olympic trials, the U S Olympic trials are coming up on Saturday. Uh, 12 noon Eastern time. Uh, Alex, tell us a little bit about who the favorites are for the U.S. Olympic trials. So, uh, okay, let's start with the women. Jordan Hasse is probably your favorite, 220-57 PB. She's had a pretty busy year. Just uh, my favorite? Oh, just one's favorite, the favorite. She is a favorite, definitely okay, so not, not my favorite. favorite. Michael? <laughs> Michael hates her. No, it's not true. I don't, I don't, I don't have favorites. Um, sorry, go on. Unbiased here. Uh, but yeah, Hase would be likely the favorite. Got Des Linden, always interesting. So a couple years removed from her big Boston Marathon victory in 2018. Uh, she's going to be one of the favorite. Now up in 36 years old. We'll see if she has, uh, still has some of the tank. Sarah Hall, who's been peaking the last few years, uh, 222 quite recently. So I'd say those are your top three. Molly Huddle, Emily Sis, and the training partners should uh, probably are the, the on the outside looking in. Huddle, great 10K PB. Hasn't really... Um, Hasn't really shown all her hand on the road so far. Um, 226 is her PB so far, but she's going to be looking to usurp someone for the podium. On the men's side, uh, Galen Rupp is probably the analog to Hasse, likely be the favorite. Running one of his first races, if not his first races, changing coaches uh, yeah. to Mike Smith. Oh, uh, he ran a half marathon. He ran a half, okay. Uh, but still pretty new in that coaching change, so that'll be interesting. You got Jared Ward, so the Saucony endorphin enthusiast, uh, vanguard of the my shoes are as good as your shoes movement um he's also pushing it up in age training with the byu group uh and he's the yeah he made 2016 so he's going to come to try to make a second olympic team straight scott fobble who's uh training with naz elite heard from fellow canadian rory linkletter um that uh, he's pretty fit. So 209.09 in Boston is his personal best. That's good. Yeah, he should be up For there. Boston, yeah. And then Dathan Band-Aids Ritzenhain, making a push at it once again. Oh, yeah. 207 PB. So in terms of personal bests, he's up there. But uh, it's hard to imagine a reality where Galen, or, uh, Dathan, sorry, actually makes it to the start line and makes it to the finish line. So... Hoping the best for him. And then uh, Luke Piscedra, too, who yeah. retired last year. Uh, did the trials 2016. Really tough um, break for him. He just missed 
the the Olympic team made a big push for it, and then I think kind of lost the, the 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 courage and the fire in 2019, retired, but then is kind of back. I think Chris Chavez wrote a story about him on Twitter. So those are your men. Five women, five men, I'd say, are worth watching, and I'm sure I missed one or two, but uh, I say those are the front runners. Uh, so Andrew, this is obviously a, a very um, highly anticipated race. I would say, I was joking with, who was I talking about this with? Reed Coolset, Canadian marathoner. Um, there's a little name drop for you. We were, he was saying that like this is it's like Christmas Day for 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 uh, nerdy distance running uh, fans. That it's almost better than the Olympics in some respects. There's all these interesting storylines. It's a fascinating race. The fact that they do is straight trials and they have so much talent in the U.S. Um, and particularly this year, I mean, there's just it's a record number of people that are racing. So. Uh, what are what are some other some interesting elements about this race? Some other uh, f- uh, interesting uh, storylines that you're looking at? Yeah, we've got about uh, I think it's approximately 700 athletes who'll be descending on Atlanta this weekend for the race, um, which is it's going to be some of the deepest fields the the U.S. Marathon trials have ever seen uh, with with some very very fast runners there. But as you said, there are some some interesting storylines as well. Um, Alex mentioned a few. Dathan Ritzenhain would be <laughs> will be an interesting one to watch. Mm. I think his his two hundred seven PB is from like two thousand and twelve. Yeah, it's um, a bit dusty. He but, ran one hour flat, right for the half. Is that is he just sitting right above the fifty nine fifty nine? I think he is. But I mean, like that. you know, he's got world class legs, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Funny enough, I I once held his uh, his jacket for him while he ran a five k at U of T. He was the only <laughs> only guy in the five thousand who had a any clothes, and I had to stand alone holding his jacket for him until he finished. Oh, uh, that's a that's a name drop. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> Did he shake your hand? Uh, he said like thanks, kid, or something like that. Did but. you break his fingers? <laughs> no, no. Thankfully, thankfully, you only had to hold the jacket for like 13-ish minutes, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he was pretty quick, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, another another big one, interesting one, is uh, Bernard Legat, uh, Bernie, in the in the race. He has a, a 2.12 PB, but the guy's also 45 years old yeah. and has been a perennial competitor at the Olympics for a decade, over I, a decade I, oh, now. Or even. Yeah. I believe, I believe he... He raced in the 1904 1500 meter final. Um, <laughs> he's also apparently an amazing golfer, best golfer in the field tomorrow. He's a speed, a speed yeah. golfer, right? When they combine the time it, it yeah. takes you to, to go through the golf course and your actual golf score. I think he somewhere, I think he may have some kind of record. I don't know if it's like an American he record. He went after it at least, record. yeah. Yeah. I yeah, know him, him and Nick Willis. Nick Willis is another one, the New Zealand. 1500 meter runner who does the speed golf as well, I think. Combined like 95 years old, those two dudes. <laughs> so this race is going to be on NBC in the US. Uh, if you live in Canada, there's a thing called a VPN uh, that you should, uh, it's an app that you should get in order to make it seem as like you're in the US in order to watch the US Olympic trials. Because if you like running, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, chances are, A, you're already trying to desperately figure out a way to watch the U.S. Olympic trials, and, and B, if you're not, you'll you'll enjoy it. Um, super fun. 2016 was great. It was in L.A. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, Alex, who are your picks? Who's So it's three and three. That's that's how they work. It's straight three. three fir- the three first past the post are going to the Olympics, which is super cool. Who are your three men and your three women that will be representing 
the stars and stripes in Tokyo. Okay. Um, so on the women's side, I'm going to go three, two, one. And my third is going to be Des Linden. Um, I think she's solid. Does she have the legs to be two or one? Hard to say. She is probably the most reliable podium finisher for me, but I'll give her third. Second, I'll go with Molly Huddle. I think she's going to have her breakthrough race. She has track speed that I don't think many people in the field have. Um, so I'm going to give her number two. And number one, I'll give Hase. I think she just has the chops of the field. Um, I know it's a bit its a bit of a basic uh, pick, but um, I think she can just reach a place that most others can't. So yeah, Hase one, Huddle two, Linden three. On the men's side, I'm going to give the win to Jared Ward. I guess I'm going one, two, three here. Um, he's a performer. He shows up when it matters. And I kind of want to see him win. And Rupp's going to finish second. It's going to be... Um, Rupp's not, Rupp's not going to miss the Olympic team. With Smith, I'm just going to say that there's a bit of... Uh, maybe a, a, a bit of a lull in the in the coaching change. going to take a little bit of while getting used to. So Ward one, Rupp two, and... Uh, I'm going to go with Fobble 3. It's been solid. Training well with uh, with NAZ. I like yeah. it. Okay, Andrew, yeah. what are your picks? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go uh, on the women's side. I'm going to give Hase the win. Mm-hmm. Um, then Des Linden. Uh, and then I'm going to say Sarah Hall sliding in there for third. She's oh, got, got yeah. Ryan Hall in her, in her corner. You can't, can't go wrong. Um, on the men's side, uh, I'm going to give, um, I think someone we haven't actually mentioned yet is Leonard Career. Uh, who's yeah, a is. 207 guy. I I could maybe see him taking the win. I, I think I might put my Ooh. money on him. Uh, maybe Rupp second, and then Ward third. I would love to see Legat get in there, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I am going to go... Um, I'll start with the guys. I'm going to go Jared Ward for the win. I'm going to go uh, Leonard Career two. I'd forgotten about him. I actually just scratched someone's name. I'm going to go him to talent, talent wise. Yeah. And then, and then Rupp third. You stole my dark horse. Mm, sorry. And, uh, one, two, three on the women's side. It's going to be Molly Huddle, Des Linden, Emily Sisson. Oh, okay. Okay. No say. You're, you're trusting the Huddle Sisson, uh, duo. Nice. Yeah. And no, no Hasse. You say Hasse. I say Jordan Hasse is standing on the side of the road at 30 kilometers. Ooh, no love for the former NOP athletes. That's right. It's going to end in tears for Jordan Hasse. Unfortunately. Um, I should, I'll probably be proven wrong. Of course. Um, and dark horse picks. Anybody? Uh, I think I said mine. Legat. I I just love the guy. I know it's not going to happen, but you know what's cool about Legat is that he's got all this experience with like he did the breaking two and then the the sub one five nine thing yeah. with uh, Kipchoge. So he's got that like, and I mean he's been around since the beginning of time. So he's got a ton of experience. He's a cool customer. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Possible. Yeah. Dathan. Dathan uh, on the men's side, I think, is a good dark horse just because of his pedigree. The thing is, like, if a healthy Dayton Dathan shows up, um, he's incredibly hard to beat. But I don't think it's it's wise to bet on a healthy Dathan at this point. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like Sarah Hall. I mean, it's not much of a dark horse pick in terms of like she put up a, a big number uh, in in the marathon uh, last year. So, not really a dark horse pick. But um, 
Uh, I think that she could very easily find her way into that top three, no problem. She could even win the race. I mean, mm. she's that good. All right, moving on, topic number two. Speaking of the U.S. trials, an interesting bit of guerrilla marketing took place uh, or is taking place as we speak in Atlanta. Uh, Alex, tell us a little bit about what Nike's up to. So looks like there was some kind of pop-up shop around Atlanta with the Alpha Fly, and they were giving away Alpha Flies for free, a shoe that's usually marketed at, what, 300 bucks? A lot of pay, money. A lot of money. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of an incentive, like, are you going to run the trials? You have a marathon coming up. Wear these shoes. You get them for free. But I think it was you who tweeted from your eye-patched Twitter account that's trending recently. You pay for the first one. Or no, the first one is free. How did you word it? The first one is first free. First time's free, the then you got to pay. It's you know, like a it's the, old, it's, the old, it's the old drug dealer move. First ever, time's free, then you got to pay. Ever watch Disney's Recess where a hustler kid just comes out of the corner and goes, hey, kid, come here. I got something for you. It's kind of like that. So you get your first pair. Michael and Andrew, they're both born in 1990 and before. They have no idea what I'm talking about. hope younger viewers have an idea. But it's, it's a gateway. It's a total gateway move, but I kind of respect it. I wish I would have been there and capitalized on it. Uh, Andrew, uh, this is sort of reminiscent of like what they did with Michael Johnson in the, in 96 and in Atlanta as well, where, and which actually set off all those IOC rules of, uh, walling out, um, brands that are not going to pay. And Nike is brilliant at guerrilla marketing. Um, do you think that this is going to have an impact that we're going to see literally hundreds of people, um, tossing their New Balance and their Asics and their Sauconies and their, uh, off to the side for, for Alpha Flies on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a smart move. Um, I, I mean, I don't think the ones who are really in contention, the athletes who, who have their, their kind of secured sponsorships, I don't know if like a, a Jared Ward is suddenly going to ditch his shoes to, to take up the Alpha Flies, but no, I mean, if you're, a, if you're just kind of a semi-elite athlete who... who just managed to qualify for the trials why not you know give up your beat up pair of adidas oh, yeah. or Sauconies and go get this free pair of of alpha flies um yeah maybe, the, yeah the journeymen of the and journeywomen of this race the the sort of the bulk of this race that has qualified and it's pretty impressive because you have to run is it what like around 218 on the men's side and um in the low two four i don't i don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head yeah. for for making the sort of B qualification to get into this race. Um, and why not? If you don't have a sponsorship, I mean, it's the best shoe. Take it. <laughs> One thing I find really interesting, and uh, I'm going to put my conspiracy hat on here again. I love uh -oh. wearing the There we uh -oh. go. Is So how is it that um, uh, a company like Nike, which was apparently unaware of the rule change until the rule change was uh, explored by this committee at World Athletics last month, or earlier this month, rather, how is it that all of a sudden they've got hundreds of pairs of this shoe that they know is going to be legal and usable? How is that? <laughs> mm. Yeah, just giving them away. Yeah, wonder about that. Yeah. Anyway, that's an interesting, interesting little uh, detail. Uh, yeah, I think I think what's interesting here when we look at the list, actually, oddly enough, this is something that's worth noting: is that like I have only one athlete, only one Nike athlete, only one pair of alpha flies crossing the line and making it to the Olympics on the, on the U S team. I only have Galen Rupp. Yeah. Everyone else is a, a Brooks, a new balance, a Saucony athlete. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I think that's interesting. 
That's pr- that's actually kind of I think that will be one of the interesting storyline subplots of this of this race tomorrow is is how many pairs of Nike Nikes end up across the finish line. All right, next topic. Speaking of Tokyo, um, Tokyo Marathon is also this weekend. What a stacked weekend for racing. But Tokyo is going to be super weird. Uh, Andrew, why is Tok- the Tokyo Marathon, one of the marathon majors, going to be highly unusual? Well, with the uh, the coronavirus on the edge of potentially becoming a pandemic, uh, the Tokyo Marathon organizers have decided to cancel the, um, the non-elite runners. So, there's 38,000 runners who are registered and they will no longer be running. It is only going to be the elites who are running the race now. Um, so there's, yeah, 38,000 people out, out of a marathon, um, which it will, it will look strange now just with the elites going after it. Um, I think we were kind of talking earlier how this might affect some of the women mm-hmm. now that they don't have kind of... Um, uh, some some men running in around the kind of 220 area, they're not going to have anyone to really key off of um, to go fast. I mean, except with, I assume they'll have some kind of pacer still, but... And each other. Yeah. Just a, a bare bones race. Yeah, it, Alex, it sort of turns into what you see in New York or... Uh, or Boston, which are unpaced races, uh, where it's just the group of athletes kind of pool amongst themselves at, at certain kind of uh, speed ranges, and and which makes it for a very difficult race. I, I think you see the really fast times in, in, in races like, you know, Berlin and London, obviously, because A, you get pacers, but B, if you're sort of in that, if you're a woman, say, for example, in the 220s range, or you're a guy in the, you know, pl- two. 12 plus range you're not necessarily going to get a pace group or a pacer but there are other people to run with um and in this case particularly with the women and tokyo it's going to be obviously a very small field of just like i don't know uh maybe a hundred racers i don't know the exact head count but yeah it looks like about 200 racers and it's too bad because obviously the timing uh we're a few months out of the end period for olympic qualification so definitely some athletes likely thinking of going to Tokyo to try to get that qualification standard. So hopefully they have enough to, to key off. But I guess the other, the other question is, um, was it the right call? Are they being overly cautious with this coronavirus? Uh, Absolutely not. I Mm. would say not. I mean, like, listen, I'm not a, uh, an expert in, uh, in, I'm not a virologist. No. Um, but I would say that, uh, you know, Japan has a series of cases, uh, they're, right next door to the epicenter of this outbreak, bringing 38,000 people together into corrals is not a great way to control the spread of a, of a, of a virus. Yeah. Yeah. Last, last I checked, there are almost 200 confirmed cases in Japan and there are now like over 78,000 in China. So yeah, there was an interview too with an expert and she agrees. It was uh, Britta Lassman. She told Martin Fritz Huber from outside magazine. Always wanted to say that out loud. Fritz yeah. Huber. She felt uh, that the race organizers had made the right call. Um, she, commented on the complexity of the virus being that right now some people may be carriers in some cases may not um, appear to be all that serious without knowing how it will progress Um, and also that it's becoming way more widespread just today already in the news um, today and yesterday in Canada travelers from a number of countries not just China are being checked and and tested so uh, 
right now we're kind of in an unknown phase. So yeah, it's likely the right call, but it's uh, frustrating for those athletes. So let's fold the bigger picture into this, Andrew. Uh, the coronavirus is uh, now being seen as a long-term uh, threat, a long-term danger. It's not under control to the level I think organizations like the World Health Organization and the CDC in the U.S. want to see it. Um, and you know, there was a story in the New York Times yesterday about how it's it's time for people in North America to start planning for the long haul of this virus hitting North America, and obviously, it's starting to affect Europe, uh, particularly places like Italy. Italy. Um, Seoul Marathon is looking like it's probably probably going to be canceled. I mean, they they um, there's a huge number of cases in in Korea, and uh, so it looks like that's probably going to be canceled. Uh, London is coming up in April. Uh, London Marathon. London, obviously a major a major hub and also a major trans a major travel international travel hub, one of the major cities in the world likelihood on that being canceled. I don't know. Question mark. They released a statement. Yeah. Yeah. London's obviously one of the, the majors and one of the biggest marathons in the world and has one of the most um, diverse uh, groups of, of runners who come, come out for it. Uh, and I know they, yeah, they did release a statement saying they're not, they're not going to cancel it as of right now, but they are going to monitor the situation. So it is up in the air still as to what, what will happen there. And then Boston as well has said that they're monitoring the situation also, and they're going to keep a close eye on things. That race happens in mid-April. And Alex, finally, what's the status on the Olympics? The Olympics currently... Um I, I sorry I threw that at you. You're like, what? I didn't know. That wasn't me. Uh, I, I can answer that actually. Well, yeah. Was, what's going? Tell us, Michael. What's going on May, at the Olympics? End of May is when they're going to make the judgment call okay. on it. And um, sorry about that, Alex. And <laughs> it's all good. That um, members of the IOC have been whispering to uh, the Associated Press that uh, it's there's no chance it'll be moved to another country or another location there's no chance that it'll be postponed to like you know 20 summer 2021 that it's an it's an all-or-nothing deal and um and if it if it has to be canceled it has to be canceled so we shall see um i don't know i was listening to the new york times daily podcast this morning and from the sounds of it they're like health reporter was saying like you know to expect this to be a virus that uh has a little bit of a downtrend in the summertime because viruses don't like hot weather mm. uh, but then for it to to ramp back up again next fall so i don't i don't yeah we'll see. so they're see. expecting that it's going to be around for at least that long yeah they, they don't have it under they don't have it under enough control yet start buying your water and canned goods your chips topic number four mo farah there was a big story in uh on the bbc's panorama program and reporting on the BBC site uh, about Mo Farah, about what, Alex? So it was dating back to 2014 before the London Marathon. Apparently, Mo Farah was getting L-carnitine injections, which is a legal uh, supplement, but he was getting them injected in some sort of a legal manner, and the concentration of it was stronger... um, it was at least a contentious issue. And when he was asked by USADA, like US anti-doping, had he ever taken L-carnitine, he denied it vehemently and repeatedly. And 
after that, he kind of switched his account, saying that he kind of forgot that he had uh, taken some L-carnitine. He had taken it uh, from Dr. Robin Chack Raverty, who was the UK Athletics Chief Medical Officer, who injected it in him. And the L-carnitine that he got was this uh, concentration from Switzerland. He had gotten it from a contact of Alberto Where the Salazar's. fuck else would it be from yeah, in Switzerland? Yeah. It's the, I love the, it. The concentration, I think, I think the reason he got it in Switzerland was because the concentration was exactly what Alberto had recommended and they couldn't get that in the UK. So anyway, super shady. Um, really blurs the line between, or the line is blurred between whether it was legal or not. But anyway, it was very shady because it seems like Mo just was lying about it or was forgetful about it. Um, anyway, that's... But- that's the story that came out. Andrew, when you hear a story like this, and it's like, you know, walking up against the line of, of, of legality and sport and of cheating, um, and with an athlete like this, like, how can you root for an athlete like Mo Farah going into the next Olympics after you hear this kind of bullshit? It makes you very uneasy. I, I know that, I mean, reading about it, Apparently, it's prohibited to take more than 50 milliliters of L-carnitine in, within six hours. Um, and milligrams or milliliters? Uh, it said milliliters. Okay. Yeah. Um, and according, the same thing. Yeah. There you go. According to the UK <laughs> Athletics guy. statement, um, apparently, Farah was within that. He was within the permitted limit. Um, so technically, it wasn't illegal. But it, it just makes you feel very uneasy, especially when the UK Anti-Doping Agency, not that long ago, was kind of refusing to hand over his samples um, to, I believe it's to WADA. Um, so the whole thing just seems a little sketchy, especially, I mean, I know this was from 2014, but here's a guy going after uh, going after the, the Olympics. Um and yeah, just to, to clarify, L-carnitine is, uh, it's like a naturally occurring amino acid in the system. So it, it by, I guess by spinning it and then re-injecting it, it uh, enhances your athletic performance. So it, it is technically kind of like a boosting drug. I'm almost not sure why it's not banned, even just the 50 milliliter injections, but obviously that's allowed. Part of the, uh, the Alberto Salazar, uh, voodoo toolkit uh of like does it help you doesn't it help you regardless why the hell is he having athletes take this stuff if you don't clearly don't need it need it it's like the thyroid issue if you don't have a thyroid issue why are you taking thyroid medication oh i know why because you're trying to cheat without getting caught cheating that's why uh yeah i mean this is disgusting i think it's disgusting uh yeah not not down with this not down with mo farah uh, okay, next topic. Let's move on. <laughs> Michael's expressed his hate for Salazar and his everything he stands for and his group. Speaking of amazing cheating assholes, <laughs> Andrew, tell us a little bit about what Aspel Kiprop is up to these days. Yeah, this is the biggest news out of out of all of them, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, so. I believe he's a three-time world champion and Olympic 1,500-meter gold medalist. Like, this guy was uh, was the top of the top um, for a while, just with those those long, elegant legs that he ran with. Um, but he, he got banned in April 2019 for using EPO, which um, increases your red blood cell count. So he, he received a four-year ban, um, 
And now, apparently, he is deciding that he wants to switch to motorsports. Uh, more specifically, I think it's like rally car driving or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think there was a quote from him saying that first you learn to walk, then you run, and then after running, you drive. Yo, so. I have the, the text here. Wow. He, he texted Abdul Sidi, who's like the rally driving advisor. ASRA seems like some kind of authority in this field in Kenya. And here, th- this is the the text that the quote come from comes from. Hi Abdul, my name is Asbel Kiprop, and I I quote here: Olympic and world fifteen hundred meter champion. I desperately want to change my career. I want to race. I really want to make a change. It will be nice to be the first Olympic and world champion in athletics to try motorsport. I really wanna learn a lot from you. I'm looking forward to this career. After walking, you run. After running, you drive. And after driving? You fly and burn your wings on the sun. Oh, boy. He's, he's already skipped a step. Oh, my God. This is like, this is deliciously ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, uh, he, Aspel Kiprop is a real character. It's almost a shame that he's been booted out of the sport because he's like a total, like, a fascinating weirdo. Like, mm. I remember I was, I, I was, at the Prefontaine Classic, the track meet in, in Oregon a few years ago, and he was racing. And if I remember correctly, he actually got his ass kicked in that race. He was like a very hot and cold racer, like perhaps for doping reasons. Um, and uh, and he was cold in that race, and that's like a, probably a, a race with pretty good testing protocols. And yeah, there you go. Um, but he had this like entourage with him. He had this like whole crew of dudes that hung out with him. Oh my God. I remember watching him in the, in the, like on the warm up track. He was like, just kind of lot. He wasn't even stretching. He was just sort of lying on the field, just like chilling out. And like all these, like all these dudes lying around him. It was like a, a pride of lions. It was fascinating to watch him do his thing. Uh, but, um, yeah, totally weird character. Uh, so is he like going to be like, uh, Alex, is this guy going to be like a motorsport god, uh, you know, based on your deep motorsports knowledge? And and be like, so what? Um, what's his like drug of choice in in motorsports to to dominate? I mean, I don't know why you're asking me. You're the one who's in the Canadian Porsche Club or whatever that is. I I drove a race car <laughs> for one weekend of my life. <laughs> he's he's putting his hand on his neck. No, no, no. Don't say it. Don't say it. Um, I don't know. Drug of choice as a race car driver. I guess you would go other than than like mechanical enhancements on your vehicle for yourself. You could probably indulge in some kind of attention span drug, so like Ritalin or uh, like a like a, a study drug that the the Harvard kids use, so they can stay up. Yeah, I was for twenty four kind of straight hours. Some sort of ADHD medication, perhaps. I don't I like know. It. I like it. Yeah, yeah. There's a po- I'm sure there's a possibility there, but again, I've no. I don't really know race car driving at all. I'm sure if there's a way, Kiprop will find it. Andrew, I think he should have gotten into motorbikes. That's just that's me. I think it should have been motorbikes. He's got the yeah, he's got the legs for it. But uh, <laughs> I still can't believe about this though is is he was caught for doping. He claims that it was the officials tampering with his samples was was why EPO was found. And still to this day, in that same like statement, he was saying, "I want to join a sport where they don't have doping conspiracies." Like he's still still bitter about it, and just not owning up to it. So. Listen, you got you got to lean into your into your lies if uh, you're gonna, he's going to go yeah. all the way with it. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll be who is it, Lewis Hamilton, the next Lewis Hamilton? Is that the maybe race he car will driver? Be. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he's a good race car driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining me. And uh, as always, if uh, if you're listening to this and you enjoy this, make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already and subscribe to our newsletter, thexc.substack.com. Uh, I think we're going to be a little bit more regular with this. Uh, Alex has got, I, I won't tease it, but Alex has got some interesting things he's working on right now. Yeah, uh, so we're going to have uh, one what? of the... Oh, oh, Should I oh, mention oh, it? No, 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 because you don't know, because you haven't recorded it yet. No, we haven't recorded it exactly. yet. Exactly. Keep an eye out on our podcast coming up, uh, perhaps on the XC or perhaps on kind of my own spinoff, uh, The U, which treats more uh, Canadian varsity running yes. for those niche people who enjoy that. But it's it's related to both, but also interesting for a wider audience, I would say. I'd say so, yeah. And uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at the XCORG. Uh, thanks very much, guys. <laughs>